Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by guest speaker, Pastor Chris Goes. What's up, guys? How you doing? I'm sure you've been asked that probably seven times today already, but I'm going to ask you again. You guys doing good? Awesome. So today is a very special day for me. Um, a really, really good friend of mine has came from so far away, um, so far, right in the Manteca area. No one knows who that is, but, but he's there, and that's all that matters. So um, he, he's, he was here about a year ago, and we're so honored and so happy to have him back. His name is Chris Scoes. If you guys just welcome him, welcome him and honor him as he comes up. Come on. All right. Wow. That was super cool. Wasn't expecting that one. All right. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Can, can we do this real fast? I know the ushers are going with the, with the offering and well, we're going to get started in a minute. I'm just super excited to be in this house. This house, this house means so much to me. It really does. Um, it's been a year. It's, it's good to see you guys again. And, uh, this morning. I believe God is going to speak to us and do something really awesome, okay? Uh, but before we get started with all that, can, can we do this? I, I know he's probably watching online, whether later on or tomorrow. Uh, can we just honor Pastor Greg and Wendy for being amazing pastors? We love them. We love you. If you're, I don't know when you're going to watch it, but man, thank you for going after the Bay Area. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for fathering young sons and daughters that you believe in the calling and gifting they have on their life. Thank you so much. We love you, Pastor Greg and Wendy. They are amazing. Thank you for letting a 24-year-old Mexican on your stage this morning. Thank you. Come on. That's, that's tough, man. That's, that's sketchy sometimes. Like, I'm going to be honest. I would, some of the 24-year-old Mexicans, I know I wouldn't let them on my stage. I'm just saying. I was texting Pastor Greg this week before he went to the Philippines. I was like, Pastor Greg, I'm so excited to be with you guys next week. I know you're not going to be there, so tell me what do I need to do and what do I not say so I'm not a false prophet, right? And um, I love Pastor Greg. I love this. And can I tell you that this is very rare for a pastor to say this. Um, not all pastors say this. He just said, Chris, we love you. Have fun. Don't screw up. I'm just kidding. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, he, but, but this really spoke to my heart. Um, he said, Chris, I trust you. Go for it. And, and man, what, what incredible leadership for a, for a lead pastor of, of this house to trust the 24-year-old that, that doesn't even go to this church or live near this place. I mean, I live an hour away, Jordan. It's not that far, but... Whatever, it's okay. But thank you, Pastor Greg. And, and yeah, thank you for the rest of the staff. We love you, Jordan, Andrew, Hannah, everyone else that I don't know your name because I forgot it in five minutes. I love you. Thank you. Um, and I'll probably say a couple of jokes about Jordan because he's my best friend. So you get ready for that. All right. So this morning, I, I am so excited. I, I know we've been on a series. This house has been on a series on Ecclesia and, and talking about being the body, the ruling, reigning body of Jesus actually being the church, not playing church. Can I get an amen? Right? And, and so tonight, or this morning, I just have uh, this, this message that I feel in my heart would, would, would really speak to this house and, and take us into what I believe God is, is doing in this season with this place. And so uh, if you are taking notes, I have it up on the screen. The title of this message this morning, if you're taking notes, is When It's Dark Out. Go ahead and tell a neighbor next to you when it's dark out. Go ahead and tell them when it's dark out. 
And I, and I have this, this main point that, that I just want to land on. And we're going to have some sub points later. And we're going to have some funny stories. We're going to go into it. But if I could go to the next slide, that would be awesome. I believe this with all my heart is that Jesus wants to show up in your life. Whether you're here for the first time this morning whether you're here for the hundredth time this morning, whether you're here when you first heard Pastor Greg's preach on the first Sunday morning when it was called Harvest House, right? I believe this, whether you've been saved a hundred years or saved for a day, that Jesus wants to show up in your life. I believe this is a reality. I do not believe this is a philosophy. I believe this is real. I believe this is truth. That we serve a God, although he is infinite, he is also finite, meaning that although he cannot be explained or fathomed, he still wants a relationship with us. We serve Emmanuel, that God comes down to earth. And I believe that that was not just in a moment in biblical context, but I believe that that lives today, that we serve a God and we serve a Jesus and we have a relationship with Jesus that wants to be in the everyday of my life. And he wants to be in the everyday of your life as well. And with that, I believe this, that worship is the connecting point of how we get God in every day of our lives. And I want to say something that's even a step further. I do not believe, and you guys probably know this, I do not believe worship is a Sunday service, but I believe worship is a lifestyle. So here's the deal, right? I don't believe the church has a problem with worship on Sundays. I believe the church has a problem with worship on Monday mornings. And I really believe this. What happens, right? What happens when God requires worship when it's not the best time to worship? What happens when everything around you is crazy, but yet God wants an immediate response of worship? Because he knows that that's the life-giving source that's going to get you through it. And, and I, I, think, I think this is a challenge. And, and it's been a challenge for me. I, man, I loved conferences. I love conferences. Aren't our conferences good? We, I know this house has like 20 of them a year, right? Come on. I love it. We only have like one. So you guys are beating us at Lath in Lathrop. Uh, I love conferences. I love Sunday mornings. I love good church. Anybody like good church? Like, I'm not talking like church. I'm talking church. You know what I'm saying? We're just like, well, come on. You just leave that place and you just feel like you're going to take over the world. I love church. I, I love it. But I've learned in my young Christian walk, not even as a pastor, but just as, as a normal person, that sometimes I need to take church with me. And, and what happens on Sundays needs to affect every area of my life. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what's going on. I want to I tell you a funny story, and, and it's not super intense, but it was intense for me. So last year, around this time, it was actually, um, it would be this, the anniversary would be this Saturday. Last year, I, speak, I spoke at a camp, and, and I, I travel and I, I preach a lot. I, I have this incredible opportunity. I don't know why Jesus would choose me, but he does. But I, I get to travel and speak all over. And I do a camp um, last year in the El Dorado National Forest. If you don't know where that is, it's probably because you're from the Bay and you don't like going to the woods. That's why you live here. Unless you're Jordan. Because he's always out somewhere in the woods. He just, he just like, like Bass Pro Shop is his favorite store on the planet. And, and, and um, 
I, I'm out there in the woods. I'm with a friend of mine, a, a young guy who's, who's part of our crew. And, and I, I usually take guys or, uh, to go with me and, and to, to speak. And, and so we're going to go do this camp. And this camp is awesome. It's, it's an amazing youth camp. And, and we go to the youth camp. We go on Friday. It's in the middle of nowhere. And, and I think that's the worst part about camping is I don't know where I'm going. If I can't use my cell phone, I'm not supposed to be there. Can I get a witness? Come on. That's how you know if you're called and not called, if I have reception. I'm just being honest. That's why Jesus called me to America. That's why I, went to, I was a missionary for a year to the U.S., and then I was like, I'm out. I'm going to stay here before they send me somewhere else. Just I need, I need, I need reception. I need, my sprint needs to work, okay? And... Um, <laughs> We're out there in this, in this, uh, in this camp, in a beautiful camp, right? That's the cool thing. You go, you, you don't know where you're going, and then you land in the camp, and it's awesome. You're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I wouldn't live here, but it's a great weekend. <laughs> We're out there, incredible camp, about, I don't know, 100-plus teenagers. It's amazing. God's doing his thing Friday night. God rocks the house Saturday morning. God rocks the house Saturday night. God rocks the house. And we have this incredibly smart idea to leave Saturday night because we have to go back to church Sunday morning. And I didn't want to spend the night and wake up early because I'm not an early bird. I'm not, I tell people I'm not a pastor till after 12, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, don't text me before nine. It's not, it's not gonna work. And, and so we're, we're gonna leave at night and, and we figure it's only an hour and a half from home. It's not a big deal. So me and my friend, we get in the car. I have a Scion TC. I love, I, that was my baby before my baby. Anybody? Uh, fellas, it's okay, never mind. And, um, I love, uh, we're in my car, but, but my Scion TC, I, I, my car's really cool, but it's not meant for off-roading or the woods. And so we leave, we leave about 9.30 at night from this camp, and um, we were supposed to take a left. It's kind of like in those old Warner Brothers or show, you know, the cartoons, you're supposed to take a left on Albuquerque, but you didn't. Okay, bad joke, sorry. <laughs> we're supposed to take a left, we didn't take a left. But it all looks the same because that's how the woods look at night. It all looks the same. And actually, we, we were kind of messing around. It was so dark, guys. It was so dark, you would turn off your lights and you couldn't see anything. It was crazy. It was like when you close your, like you ever in your closet and the lights turn off, you're like, oh my gosh, where are we going? Right? It, it was dark. It was so dark. It was really dark outside and it's raining. And it's 40 degrees, and um, we forgot to take the left. And so we just keep driving. I'm driving. I don't know why they ever told me to dress bad. Bad idea. In a Scion TC, two doors. It's kind of low. It's not a good idea. We keep driving. And then next thing you know, we're starting to go downhill. And because of the rain, there's mud. And so, so the dirt actually turns to clay because for some reason, this is the stuff that people back in the 1500s would make their house with. It was orange clay. I felt like I was at a museum, like when you see the, the teepees and the huts. I'm just saying. It was just thick. And what begins to happen is as we, we go downhill, me and my friend, we start losing traction on the tires. And then, and then, we, and then we keep going, we keep going, and finally we're like, dude, we're, we're not going the right way. And for some reason... We knew that, but I looked at my friend, I'm like, but what if we're going the right way? <laughs> it's okay, give me five minutes. We're just gonna keep going, five minutes. And, and, and what, did I don't, what I didn't understand is that five minutes in a car going downhill ended up being three or four miles. And next thing you know, 
we just lose traction. So we just start rolling down this hill. Now I'm freaking out, everybody. Like, look at me. I was man versus wild. Yeah, right. I look like I, I belong in man versus Starbucks. Come on now. I do not belong in this terrain. I actually was wearing the same jacket. That's why this jacket means so much to me. <laughs> and we, we, we go down here and finally, like we're sliding. I can't, I can't push the brakes. And finally we stop and it's just pitch black. And we're thinking, man, we're about to fall off a cliff. And we're like, no, we can't. Oh, so we, we, we stop and we're like, oh my God, this is crazy. What are we going to do? And so uh, we, we try to flip a Yui and we try to go back. I don't know why we did this. We try to go back up the same hill we slid down in a scion tc and we fall in a ditch we fall <laughs> not even joking it's like if you're hispanic this is like a novella right it's so real right now <laughs> if you're not hispanic it's that those 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 the really dramatic shows from channels 10 to 20 that you skip over <laughs> we land in a ditch and then I just, guys, I freak out because one of my biggest fears is getting lost. Now, my wife is back home. She's pregnant with our little guy. We're about to have him in three months. She's six months pregnant. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die out here. And I kid you not, I literally have a panic attack. My, thank God for my friend. His name is Josh. Thank God for my friend Josh because he's the one that got me. He's like, Chris, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I'm like, no, bro, it's not going to be okay. We're going to be out here in the woods, and we're just going to be out. No one's going to find us, and we have no service, and it's dark, and, and I'm wearing skinny jeans and Aldo boots and a leather jacket. I was not made for this. He, he's white, so he was wearing REI boots with, like, baggy pants, and he had a beanie and gloves. I was not ready. He was ready. It's like he knew. He had prophetic unction that we were going to get stuck. And I'm not saying only white people say that. I'm just saying it, it was very stereotypical in the moment. And he's like, Chris, it's going to be okay. We're just going to have to walk. And I look at him like, you're the one that told me not to go left. This is your fault. I didn't say that. I, I was thinking it because we were in survival mode. So what do we do? The story gets better. We walk. And we're thinking, yeah, we didn't drive that far. So, so I, get a little, I get a little, you know, just hope in my heart. But how many know the Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, town, the town, we, we passed that post office thingy. That was like five minutes. We didn't realize that it was four miles away. So it's 10 o'clock now in the middle of the El Dorado National Forest, in the middle of the night, raining, 40 degrees, Leather jacket, skinny jeans, Aldo boots, and a tank top. I had no idea what I was thinking. And we're walking uphill. uphill. We walked four miles uphill. It was like the God-forsaken stairmaster at the gym. If you don't go to the gym, you don't get it. If you go to the gym, you know what I'm talking about. No one's happy on that thing. Including myself, like I hate it, but you, you, it makes you sweat, so you gotta get skinny for Jesus, you know? <laughs> Especially if you're single. I'm not single, I'm just married, but I wanna keep the wife happy and you know, whatever, so. And, I'm, and we're walking, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking, we're, we're walking, and, and then I start getting tired. I'm like, I'm Josh, we're not gonna make it. I need, I need a brief. 
like, I'm not going to make it. I need to breathe. And I need to stop. But he's like, bro, you got to keep going. You just got to keep going. You got to keep going. And then, and then next thing you know, we're, we're, and I'm so shocked that in the midst of all this, we did not say a word we weren't supposed to. Because, come on, let's be honest. Some of us, when we're in situations we're not supposed to be, some words come out we're not supposed to say. Very proud of my guy, Josh, because he didn't say anything. I thought, I, I thought he was going to cuss. I'm not going to lie. I really did. I can't cuss. I'm the pastor. But him, he could cuss for both of us. And I won't tell nobody. It'll be between me, him, and Jesus. I, I'm just being real. And no, it's actually, he starts encouraging me. And then Josh, he, he starts praying. And, and so we start praying and we start worshiping because that's how we're going to get through. We start, we start praying in tongues. And I'm telling you, we're praying in tongues. And then we're also yelling help so that way bears don't eat us. We're putting sticks so that way we don't go back into the same place. I was not ready for this. I, probably my fun, this is not even a joke. My funniest moment of the whole thing was it, it, Josh in that moment it, as we were walking, we're about halfway through. He said, Chris, I just want to let you know, man, if there's anyone, if there's anyone that I want to get lost with in the middle of the woods, it'd be you, man. I love you. And I said, bro, I don't want to get lost in the middle of the woods with me too. Because I got a calling on my life. Jesus is not going to let me die here. I told him that, like, no shame. I was like, bro, we're going to make it because God has a calling on my life. That's what I told him. <laughs> He's still my friend. I don't know how. <laughs> so we finally are walking, and, we, and it was crazy. It's so dark. We're using our iPhone flashlights with 10%. We're such millennials. We have 10% left. We're using our iPhone flashlights, and we find, we, first we find a house, this house, but it's like an abandoned house. It looks like a shack that it looks like from a, from a scary movie that someone would, like, get murdered in. We're like, are we on criminal minds? So we keep walking. We're like, not going to that one. And then we go to this house, and there's a house with a big old Christmas tree. And we're like, oh, thank God. And so we go, we knock on the door, we're yelling, help, help, because we don't have to do to shoot us. Because who lives out in the middle of the woods out of nowhere? So we knock on the door, and we're thinking it's a family because he has a big old Christmas tree. Guys, the story gets worse. <laughs> Wasn't a family. It was an old dude. And, and he just lived out in the woods by himself with like eight cats. <laughs> he answers the door. He lets us in. He says he could get our truck out. So we, he drives us down. Thank God for this guy. He drives down. We're in the car with this dude. We don't even know. Stranger. All my stranger danger things are like jumping. You know, when you're a little kid, stranger danger, stranger danger. So he gets down. We get down. He sees the car. He's like, yeah, I could take your car out, but it's going to have to be in the morning because it's too rainy and it's too muddy. And in the morning, you'll dry up. And I was like, all right, Josh, what do you want to do? Because I'm not ready for this. And Josh says, bro, if he can get our car out, we'll just spend the night. I'm like, all right, Josh, I trust you. So we spend the night at this dude's one bedroom, one bathroom, little house in the middle of the woods. I finally, he has cell service. I don't know how that happened. He has cell service, Verizon, I guess. And everyone that has Verizon is so happy right now. They're like, if I ever get lost in the woods, Pastor Chris said, I will have service. So um, I, I finally texted my wife. My wife's like, where you been? I'm like, we got lost in the woods. Our car got stuck in a ditch. I'm so sorry. I love you. I start crying. I'm just, it's all bad. And my wife's like, so what are you going to do? You're going to come home? I'm like, no, we're going to sleep over this dude's house. He's like, she's like, who's the dude? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, he's a serial killer. <laughs> See, you got to understand, my wife is from Stockton. People get shot there. She thinks the worst. She said, Chris? He's probably a serial killer. I'm like, no, she's not. No, he's not. He's a cool dude, okay? She's like, Chris, does he have a camper in front? 
Because for some reason, all the Criminal Mind episodes, they always have a camper. Could you not look out the window? He has a camper. I say, no. I love you. Bye. I hang up. And we spend the night at this dude's house. We didn't sleep. To top it off, my friend Josh is allergic to cats. That's what he gets for getting us lost in the ditch. We don't sleep. We're up in the middle of the night. We hear grunts. The guy's grunting. He's just kind of older, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he was sick. He's like, he's like grunts like, Urgh. we're like, that's a demon. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, where is this story going? Can you just hurry up? That's, and, and I kid you not, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm on this little couch and Josh is on the couch. I'm like, Josh. He goes, yes. Did you hear that? Yeah. Do you have your knife on you? It's on my chest. <laughs> okay, good. I gotta be honest, all jokes aside, thank God for Andy. That was his name. He wakes up. He makes his breakfast. Ends up being a mechanic for 25 years. His kids um, went to William Jessup in, in Sacramento. They're youth pastors in Santa Cruz. He went down, got our car out, made sure the car was okay, drove us back into town just because. Just because. And by the grace of God, I'm here today. By the grace of God. Now, you're like, that was awesome. Can we go now? Not yet. Because i got to give you a little bit of Bible before you leave, or else Pastor Greg's going to get mad at me. <laughs> Pastor Chris, why did you tell that story? Because I believe this, that sometimes, although, although it was a funny story and we can laugh at it, sometimes life feels like it's dark all around us and we're walking in the woods and we don't know where we're going. Sometimes we end up in situations that weren't our fault, but for some reason we're there, and there are either two things we can do. We can either stay there and die or walk forward and respond in the appropriate way. And I believe this, that I think sometimes God allows us in dark situations not to torture us or not because he hates us, but because he wants to show us how real he is. I have learned this, that suffering produces character. That roots happen, roots, deep roots take place when things go on in your life. Some of us, and, and I believe this is the question we ask as Christians oftentimes, is God, why me? God, why me? And God, I believe God in heaven is saying, son and daughter, why not you? Not because I hate you, but because I love you. But because you don't know what I'm about to bring to you next, but I can only let you go through this so that way you can actually handle the next season I'm going to bring you in. I need to do something in you before I do something through you. And there's this familiar story in the Bible with, with these guys named Paul and Silas. And in the book of Acts, you guys have probably read it. Can you turn to the book of Acts for me? Ch uh, chapter 16, verse 25. And, and we find this. And it's not, um, my, my story is not as intense as their story. Uh, but, but man, I can relate a little bit. And so you go to the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 25 through 34. We're going to have it on the screen for you. Thank you. And it says this about midnight. Everybody say midnight. 
And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prisoner doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Let's go to the next slide. Thank you. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, and hold on. There they are. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. Come on, that's good. And when he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So you have this story, and we're familiar with this story. We've heard this story. If you haven't, that's okay. That's not, that's not like a bad thing, like, oh, my God, well, I've never heard this story. No, I'm not trying to make fun of you or anything. But most of us, this is a very common story in, in, in Christianity and, and in the Bible. And, and, and you have this story where Paul and Silas are in prison. And, and if you studied the prisons at this time, in, in New Testament time, in, in Roman Greek time, you would understand that they were more like dungeons. And, and how they were set up is that they would be on the bottom of, of, a, of, a, of a building or, or a castle or a facility, and then they would be dark completely. And the way they were chained up is they would be chained up by their hands, and they would be chained up by their feet. And the door would be closed, and it would be completely dark. And the funny thing about this, and, and I don't want to go too into the background of the story because it's so good. Just, just study it yourself. It's amazing. Chapter 16 in Acts. Awesome. But the crazy thing is, is here we find Paul and Silas in a predicament that was not their fault. And I believe some of the darkest moments in your life are not your fault. I do not believe it is your fault. However, I do believe it is your responsibility on how you respond. Paul and Silas, they're in prison. I can imagine Paul and Silas are there. And, and, and Paul and Silas, they're just there. They're, 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 they're thinking, man, I'm going to die. We're done. It's over. Why, God? Why would you do this? Why would you set me up like this? Why would you put me there? And then I can imagine, like, this is so amazing. And it doesn't even, I can imagine the battle was in their heads. But nowhere in the Bible does it say they doubted. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that they, they, they talked about just just ending it or their, their relationship with God is done or God hates them, anything like that. Instead, this is the reaction we read. It says this, and then Paul and Silas began to sing hymns to God in the bottom of the cell, in the middle of the night. I can imagine Paul, he's up there, right? He's with Silas and he's like, Silas. I can imagine they're all beaten up. And he's like, yeah. He goes, this is, this is kind of bad, huh? Silas is like, yeah, dude, it's bad. <laughs> you know what? We should sing. Come on. I've been through some stuff. That's not the first thing I think about is singing. We should sing. Yeah. What song do you want to sing? Let's sing Oceans. <laughs> Come on. Some of y'all, when Oceans comes on, the Jesus stank face, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, you got it. You got it. Let's sing. 
and they just sing. I imagine they're singing, right? They're just singing out loud. And it's, I just imagine they're not even good at it. I imagine they're singing like, like the bad auditions on American Idol or like Elf. Yeah. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Okay, never mind. <laughs> and they're just singing. And they're just singing to God. And, and I love this because they did not know their singing was going to bring them breakthrough. And I think oftentimes we relate worship. And, and I believe this worship does bring us breakthrough. But we cannot worship as a commodity. We have to worship through relationship. I do not worship so I can get something. I worship because I love Jesus. My marriage was not a strategy to have children. I married my wife because I love her. And here you have Paul and Silas and they're worshiping. And I can imagine they're singing. And I can imagine all the people in the prisons are like, dude, be quiet. Dude, you're going to die. Dude, be quiet. Dude, shut up. And I can imagine they just get louder because they have no shame. And that's what happens when God is the king of your heart. That's what happens when Jesus becomes real in your life. I do not believe this was just a, a moment of spirituality, but I believe this was the deafness of God inside of Paul and Silas. And I believe when someone lives a lifestyle of worship, that the proper response whenever there's crisis is worship because you already got it inside you. It's not hard. It's easy because it's in you. And then they worship. And that's when, we'll, uh, man, I want to just highlight some points because, man, I believe this. When we worship, these things begin to happen. Number one, I believe this. When we worship, the first thing that happens is this. God begins to shake foundations in your life. If we can go to that slide. God begins to shake foundations in your life. Haven't you ever worshiped? Have you ever had a moment where you begin to worship God and go after God and go after him and the things that were rocky begin to crumble? I've learned this. This is so crazy. Um, we, we bring a lot of people to Jesus in Lathrop. It's amazing what we're seeing in Lathrop. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of youth and young adults get saved. And this is what happens. The first six months, they are so on fire. The first six months, they are so lit. They're like, they're, they're, just, they're just crazy. They're preaching on tables and, and they're telling their family. Like I had one kid, he cussed out his family for not going to church, that he wasn't supposed to do that. But it's okay, he just got saved. We're working on him. He literally said, well, he said something, 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 F word, you don't go to church. Something along those lines. And I was like, bro, you shouldn't do that, but it's okay. There's, we're going to work it out. And then something happens at six months that really bad happens to them. I don't know why. I really don't. I don't know why. It's like a relationship got broken. Now I'm dealing with millennials, okay? A relationship got broken. Um, something happened at school, their plans got changed, their parents, something happened to them, a death in the family, something very real and very tragic. And then they think God hates them because all these things are happening and their relationship with God isn't real. And what we actually have to teach them is no, it's because your relationship with God is real that all these shaky things are happening because the devil wants to take you out and God wants to put something inside you. It's actually because you have something on the inside that's the reason why these things are happening. And I've learned this in my Christian walk, that the more I worship, there's some things in my life that God needs to crumble down. Worship causes earthquakes. And I believe it causes earthquakes both spiritually and physically. I believe the, the way regions, cities and nations are changed with the people that worship. 
I believe what we do here on Sundays changes the Bay Area, whether you believe it or not. I believe it. I believe when we're going after God, I believe families and legacies and, and, and revivals breaking out. And though we might not see it now, we will see it in the future. God begins to shake foundations as we worship. The Bible says that Paul and Silas, as they were worshiping, an earthquake hit. And usually that's the first thing. I believe that the foundations of our life get shaken when we allow God, to, when we respond in the appropriate way, and we allow God to be in our life when we worship. Number two, I'm going to fly through this because I told, went way too long on my story, but it's okay. Number two, God begins to open doors. God begins to open doors. Listen, if you have some closed doors in your life, worship and watch what happens. If you feel like, if you feel like there's some closed Anybody at work, man, if you feel like there's just been some closed doors, can I tell you, don't complain about it, worship. Can I tell you that when you worship, doors begin to open up. The prison cells begin to open up. And, and, and I, I love it. The very things that people wanted to keep you shut in is the very thing that God opens in front of them. When you worship, God opens doors. The Bible says in Revelation, right, that Jesus is the man that opens doors that no man can open and shut doors no man can shut. And I believe the way that we get to that is by worship. I believe when I worship wholeheartedly, when I live a lifestyle of worship, God begins to open doors in my life. I'm going to be honest. Favor isn't fair. Favor is not fair. But favor is granted to people whose whole heart is after God. David did not deserve kingship, but he got it not because of his attributes or his appearance, but because of the heart that he had for God. And I have met people where I'm like, dude, how are you so blessed? And then I see their life and it makes sense. It makes sense. Their life of worship produces doors that people with, that, are, that are way better or educated or more talented don't get, but because they have favor with God. Number three. Number three. When we worship, God begins to break chains. This is my favorite part. <laughs> Paul and Silas are in prison. The earthquake hits. The doors open. And then the Bible says their chains were loose. Come on. Yeah, Come on. And, and listen, I believe this. You want to break the chains off your life? Worship. Leonard Ravenhill says this quote, one of my favorite authors of all time. He says this, a praying man never sins and a sinning man never prays. If you, got, if, you, if you got some chains in your life you need to break personally, some chains, whether it's insecurity or doubt or fear or intimidation or addiction, worship will bring breakthrough. If you worship, I promise it will. But I also believe this. Can I believe that, that I believe when we worship together, what, what I love about this is that it didn't just break Paul and Silas's chains, but it broke everyone else's in the prisons as well. See, sometimes, listen, and this is what you got to do. If you're saved, you love Jesus, sanctified, Holy, Holy Spirit filled, glorified, loving Jesus, going after the calling on your life. When you come to church, listen, do Pastor Greg and everybody on the staff on favor. I need you to engage in what God's doing because what you're worshiping, your moment of worship might bring breakthrough for someone else next to you. That's why we do community. That's why we do Sundays. That's why we do family. Because our worship isn't just for us, but it's not. It's for the room. It's for the person next to me. I tell this to our crew all the time. Man, you don't know if what's happened on your life is going to be breakthrough to someone else. I'm not the church. You're not the church by yourself. I'm not the church by myself. We're the church together. And when we worship, chains are broken. 
man, can you believe with me that through these doors, there's going to be addicts. There's going to be people that are broken. There's going to be people that are hurting. There's going to be people that are lost and they're going to come into the worship experience. They're not even going to hear Pastor Greg yet, but because someone said hi in the parking lot and because someone said hi in the lobby and because they sat down on the chairs you prayed for and then as worship is going, the chains of addiction, the chains of brokenness, the chains of despair and depression, the chains of suicide and doubt and fear failure and insecurity begin to break off because there's a church that worships that chains get broken when they worship you got to believe with me on that because I believe it when we worship breaks chains number four when we worship we it influences others listen you want to you want to be someone who reaches people for the lost at your at wherever you go your work your campus your family thanksgiving how many of y'all coming up to thanksgiving how many of you got fake crazy families in thanksgiving come on let's be real half your family needs to get saved come on and you're the only christian there can i tell you you talking about a church service isn't going to change their life but can i tell you your worship lifestyle will change their life can i tell you how you act on thanksgiving is more of a message than pastor greg's on a sunday and it's not because Pastor Greg isn't a good preacher, but because your life is the billboard that God is using to bring them to him. So my worship lifestyle influences others. The Bible says that when Paul and Silas, the, the, the earthquake happened, the doors opened, the chains were broken, and the jailer wanted to kill himself. And can I tell you that we live in a culture where people feel like there's death all around them and because they don't know Jesus. Can I tell you that every lost soul wants to know Jesus? Everyone wants to know Jesus. They just haven't been introduced. And then Paul says, no, 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 it's okay, we're here. Their worship led to an encounter with the person who put them in prison. Can I tell you that your worship influences others? Even if you think it's insignificant, it is not. And number five, and if I can have the worship team come up, that would be awesome. Thank you. Number five, we could go to the next slide. It says, and it, it says this, worship heals deep wounds. I think this is so key. I, I, I'm going to be honest, uh, and I'm not speaking specifically to this house, but I've, I've preached a lot, and I've met some people who had some deep stuff. I had some deep stuff. Guys, I had a dad who left me when I was eight. I had a mom who left me when I was nine. I, I've been to so many schools. It's not even funny. I've been rejected by so many friends. I have I had some issues. I got some drama. I got some stuff. Come on now. Let's. I have no, I don't get why Jesus saved me because I know the stuff I've been through and why Jesus would die on the cross for me, man, that's crazy. I got some stuff. And you know what happens when you get saved? It's still there. It's terrible. And then you know what happens five years later you get saved? It's still kind of there. I'll be honest, I, I, I'm good, I walk in freedom, I do, I, I love Jesus, I walk in freedom, I know who I am, I know my identity, I'm confident in the giftings that God has given me, I know what I'm good at, I know what I'm not good at, I know that I need accountability and family to keep me forward, but I still have days where, I, where, where I'm sad. I still get bad dreams that my mom and dad aren't in my life. Pastor Christ, I still do. 
But can I tell you that the greatest moments of healing I'll ever experienced, me personally, was not in moments where it was this extravagant, just, bah, just God moving in worship. Yeah, that's cool. But can I tell you when I'm worshiping by myself in my car, when I'm worshiping in my prayer closet, which is my car, <laughs> put on oceans, I'm just kidding. <laughs> prayer room man I love the prayer room man you know how much you know what God's done with me in a prayer room and you know when the best time is in the prayer room when it's only you and no one else it's just you and the worship leader on a priestly set thank you Jesus thank God for prayer rooms thank God for altars that God creates in our lives I can look back I can look back to the altars I can look back to the altars of my life to the bedroom, I turned into a 24-hour prayer room because I was an overzealous teenager that couldn't go to Kansas City because I couldn't afford it. To the high school campus on that wing where I would pray every day for revival on the lockers. For the church I would go to early before youth every Wednesday at 4 p.m. to pray for three hours just because I love Jesus. For that red room in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, they literally had a red room. That was their prayer room. They called it the furnace, okay? It had red carpet and red walls. It was like someone died in there. I'm not going to lie. Doing night watch in the furnace. And I thought I was a missionary and I was going to pray for revival in the nations. You know what God wanted to do? He just wanted to get a hold of my heart. Remember weeping for hours in that room. God tell me I'm a son and how I'm loved and how he's proud of me. How that my ministry is not defined by the stage or a platform or by the money I get or what I do but it's defined for who he's called me to be that I'm going to be an amazing husband and an amazing dad and I'm not going to be like the parents that I had and that God's going to change my legacy through my son he told me that in a red room and I came back home and that prayer room is not there anymore but, but, that, but that prayer room East Bay prayer furnace with Jim Still and I'd pray there with him or the times I come to this prayer room or the church I would go to. And you know what would happen in worship? God would heal the deep wounds of my heart. The Bible says that after Paul and Silas got done, the Bible says that the man that held them captive actually took them home and began to heal and wipe away their wounds. And I believe that that's what God does with you and I. I believe in worship. Jesus comes with a towel like he did when he washed the disciples' feet, the feet and he begins to wipe the wounds of our hearts. And I, and I don't ever want to be in a place where I'm too arrogant like Peter to say, Jesus, don't wash me. I always want to have a worship lifestyle where Jesus can touch my heart. And I've learned that the only way I'm going to get through suffering, I've had some stuff, man. My parents got divorced right before my wedding. Found out my parents were back into drugs. As a pastor, I've seen so many kids through go, so, go through so many things. Abuse, sexual immorality. I had a kid murdered. I actually had a kid shot in Lathrop. I had to do his funeral. At 21, I had no idea what to do. I've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. And can I tell you, I didn't get through it through Bible college. I didn't get through it by just hanging out. I didn't get through it by just hoping that God would show up. I got through it because Jesus, I'm going to worship you even when I don't feel like it. Can we go to that last slide? Listen, and I believe this, how we respond now determines what happens next. 
And I feel like tonight, or this morning, I keep saying tonight, sorry. This morning, I was praying and I felt like, God, what do you want to say to this house? There are so many legends and, 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 and spiritual fathers and mothers that are speaking to this house. What can I say? And I felt like God wanted to say this to someone this morning. I don't know if it's you or I don't know if it's the person next to you. But I felt like God wanted to say this. Listen, keep fighting. You're going to make it. Keep fighting. You're going to make it. Don't stop. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop going after it. Keep, I know it's hard. I know you feel confused. I know you feel like you're walking in the woods not knowing where to go. I know you feel like you might be in prison like Paul and Silas. I know you feel like it's dark all around you. But when it's dark out, keep following Jesus. When it's dark out, worship with your life. When it's dark out, trust me, the suffering was not meant to take you out, but it was meant to launch you into something new. Can you stand with me this morning? I went a little over. I apologize. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting me be here this morning. I want to pray for you guys this morning. Can we close our eyes? And I'm going to hand it off to, 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 to Jordan in a minute and, and the team. But, but this morning, I just want to pray real quick with everybody's eyes closed in this house. If you're saying, you know what, Pastor Chris? This morning, I'm, I'm, I, you're right. I've been going through some stuff. I've had a wood season. I've had a, I feel like I've been in a prison season and it's not my fault. Or maybe it was. That's okay too. Because God could get you out. He opens doors for captives and prisoners. Prisoners put themselves in jail. Captors get taken away. But Jesus opens the doors for both. And some of you are in this place saying, you know what, Pastor Chris? I feel like I want to quit. I feel like I want to give up. I feel like I can't do this thing anymore. I want to tell you this morning that God wants to put something inside you and that Jesus wants to do something in your life. And that if you would commit to saying, God, I don't know how, but God, teach me to worship. Not just lifting my hands or in a service, but God, teach me how to worship when it really matters. Teach me when to worship. Teach me how to worship when it's hitting me. Teach me when to worship when it's dark out. If that's you and you're in this place with everyone's eyes closed, please, no one looking around. I just want to ask, if that's you, can you do me a favor? Can you just slip up your hand for me this morning? If that's you, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? That's awesome. Do me a favor. If your hand's up, just lift up both hands. I want to pray for you. And if you know you needed to lift your hands up, just lift your hands. I want to pray for you this morning. God, I pray right now. God, I pray you would strengthen their inner man. God, I pray that you would put iron in their spirit. God, I pray that they would know that the darkness around them is still light to you. God, I pray that you would shine brighter than anything else in their life. Jesus, I pray that you would instill a fire in their heart. God, I pray that your presence would be near. I pray you'd be closer than the air that they breathe and the skin on their body. God, I pray that we would respond well this morning. That God, no longer we would respond by criticism or doubt or fear. No longer would we respond by insecurity or failure or sin. God, no longer would we respond in a way that's not appropriate. But God, we would respond in worship. God, we would respond with following you. And Jesus, I pray for this house. I pray that this would be a house that would worship you, that would change cities and nations. God, I pray that this house would be a place where people would come and meet you. God, I pray that this house would be a house of worship that would affect your heart, Jesus. God, I pray that this morning 
that you would challenge us and encourage us and strengthen us in a greater way. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we pray that you would do it in our lives. And in Jesus' name, Convergence says, amen and amen. Love you guys. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.